Welcome to the Compelling Words Podcast. The Word of God is meant to move us. It's meant to call us to action. Listen in as Kevin Purdy teaches and presents a genuine and compelling message from the Word of God. What do you picture when you picture strength? When you're thinking of strength, what do you picture? What's the image that comes to your mind? When you're thinking of something that's strong or stable or secure, what do you picture? This picture is the Torre Mayer. It's a skyscraper in Mexico City, Mexico. And according to a 2015 article in the Popular Mechanics magazine, at that time, it was one of the toughest buildings. Not necessarily one of the tallest, it was one of the strongest. It's only 55 stories tall, so it's not one of the tallest, but it was one of the strongest. It's tough because it was built with several anti-earthquake features. For example, it has 96 diamond-shaped dampers around the perimeter of the building, and they work like shock absorbers on a car. It's made to withstand an earthquake measuring 8.3 on the Richter scale. It's built like that because it stands upon a site where there was an earthquake in 1985 that killed 5,000 people. So when they're going to build on this site, they wanted to build a building that was tough enough to handle that. Well, in 2003, the building proved to be very effective because there was a 7.6 earthquake that shook the city and the Torre Mayor was undamaged. In fact, the people inside the building never even felt the tremors. So that's a tough, strong building. When the Old Testament people of God went to Jerusalem for an annual festival. Tradition says they would sing some of the psalms as they went. As they made their way up to Jerusalem, they would sing some of these psalms. They would sing these psalms of ascent and give praise to God. Psalm 125 is one of those. It's one of the songs of ascent that they would sing. And it's a song that sings about strength and security. Psalm 125, verse 1 and 2 says this. It says, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forevermore. Jerusalem was not built on a mountain. Jerusalem was actually built in the middle of a low mountain range. It was built not on a mountain, it was built in the mountains, nestled into the mountains. Jerusalem was a city upon a hill, and that hill area was called Mount Zion. Now Zion was actually the the famous mountain citadel that King David uh, first captured for the Israelites. 
It was a fortress. It was a citadel that King David captured for the Israelites. Later, Zion came to refer to Jerusalem. And then later in the New Testament, especially Hebrews and Revelation, it comes to represent the new heaven and the new Jerusalem. Zion was not just a geographical term. When they said Zion, it wasn't just a geographical term. It had much stronger implications than that. Zion was more than just a mountain. It was more than just a city. It represented God's people, God's presence, God's protection. Imagine as they were making this trip to Jerusalem for one of these festivals as they would come into this mountain range. Imagine as they traveled up these mountains into Jerusalem. It was a fortified city. It was their capital. It was the holy city of God. So it was a place that felt very safe and very secure. So as they're coming, they're singing, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken but endures forever. And then as they looked outside the city and they see all of these mountains surrounding Jerusalem, they think, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forevermore. When they sang this song, the city of Jerusalem and the mountains surrounding it, it was an image of strength. When they sang this song, this was an image of strength for them. When they sang this song, they were singing a song of confidence. Because they trusted that with God, they were very safe and very secure. Let me ask, in a world that is insecure, in a world that is insecure, uncertain, and unstable, Can we have confidence? Can we have security? The answer is yes. The answer is yes, we can. But it's not because we're in the mountains. It's because we are in Christ. It's not because we're in the mountains. It's because we're in Christ. You see, the cross is the greatest picture of strength. The cross is an assurance of our safety and our security. Because the cross is a symbol reminding us of what Jesus did for us. The cross reminds us that we are saved by the grace of God. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. I wonder, I wonder, where have you placed your trust? What are you counting on to keep you safe? Apparently, sometimes some people need a little help when it comes to safety. The the Hubesh washing machine in 2010 came with a warning label. And if you can read the warning label, I don't know if you can because I don't know if it's big enough, but it says, do not put any person in the washer. The MDW Outdoor Group sold a fox or bobcat urine powder. 
It was meant to be sprinkled around your garden to keep away any type of rabbits. I don't know if you could see the warning label on it, but it says not for human consumption. I guess we got to tell people that. Kellogg's had a cereal bowl with a warning sticker on the bottom. Always use this product with adult supervision. A cereal bowl. I guess you don't want to drown in your cereal bowl. Frankel's costumes out of Houston had a warning label on their Superman costume. It said, warning, this costume does not enable flight or super strength. (laughs) Doggone it. (laughs) It seems kind of silly to have to give some of these safety warnings. It seems kind of silly that these warnings are necessary uh, to keep people safe. But sometimes... People don't see the danger right in front of them. Every act of violence, every selfish moment, every attitude of arrogance, every moment someone's mistreated or neglected, every hateful thought or mean word, every moment of giving in to a temptation, it all reminds us that there is sin in this world and in our life. Every illness, every accident, every funeral reminds us that this life has an expiration date. So we are going to die, and we will either die in the guilt of our sin, destined for punishment, or we will die in Christ, saved by the gift of God's grace, set free from what we deserve because of our sin. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong, fortified tower. The righteous run to it, and they are safe. You know what righteous means? Righteous means being right with God. The righteous are those who are right with God. The righteous are not right with God because they earned it. The righteous are not right with God because they're good people. They're righteous because they know where to run. That's why they're righteous, because they know where to run. They know where to go to be safe. Romans chapter 3, verse 22 through 26 says this. It says, God makes people right with himself through their faith in Jesus Christ. This is true for all who believe in Christ, because all people are the same. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. And all need to be made right with God by His grace, which is a free gift. They need to be made free from sin through Jesus Christ. God sent Him to die in our place to take away our sins. We receive forgiveness through faith in the blood of Jesus' death. This showed that God always does what is right and fair, as is in the past when He was patient and did not punish people for their sins. And God gave Jesus to show today that he does what is right. God did this so he could judge rightly and so he can make right any person who has faith in Jesus. Righteousness isn't about what we've done. It is about what Jesus has done. God gave Jesus to die in our place. And when we place our faith in Jesus, our sins are forgiven and we are declared righteous by God. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, God made him, that being Jesus, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Look up to the cross. Put your faith in Jesus. He is the strength that surrounds us. His righteousness is what saves us. In Christ, we can have confidence because God is protecting us. In Christ, we can have confidence because of salvation. Now let's go back to our song, Psalm 125. First, God was compared, in the song, God was compared to the safety of Jerusalem and the mountains surrounding it. And then in verse 3, there's a declaration that is made. Psalm 125, verse 3 says, The scepter of the wicked will not remain over the land allotted to the righteous, for then the righteous might use their hands to do evil. In Christ, we have the confidence of our salvation. In Christ, we can also have confidence that evil will not prevail. Evil doesn't win. In Christ, we have confidence because of God's promise. You see, when they sang this song, they were trusting that God would not let evil rule over them. Because if evil was allowed to win then even the righteous could possibly give in. It is hard to stand up for Christ, to stand up for God, when everybody around you and the whole culture around you is pushing a different direction. We don't want evil to win. That's what they were singing. And you know, history proved this true. When God's people were faithful, there was a banner of protection over them. But when God's people rebelled against him, they were overtaken or enslaved. You know, sometimes when I pray, sometimes when I pray, I find myself asking God to protect me from letting sinful thoughts be in my heart or in my mind. Because I don't want to be I don't want to be led by anything that is not in the will of God. I don't want anything else in my heart. I don't want anything else in my head. I don't want anything else driving me, leading me. I want the will of God leading me. So I pray all the time, God, don't let sin get in my heart. Don't let sin get in my head. Keep me safe from that. Because I know, I know that if I give Satan even an inch, he will take a mile. Most of you have probably hiked some trails at some point. You've hiked some trails, you're out in the woods, and you know that all it takes is a wrong turn, and you're on a wrong trail going somewhere where you didn't know you were going. And I don't know about you, but I often find that hiking trails are not often marked very well. Sometimes you get on a trail and there is not a sign telling you. And you come to a fork in the trail and there's no sign telling you which way to go. And you're just kind of rolling the dice to figure out which way to go. If you get on the wrong trail before long, you're going the wrong place. Or if you're driving down the highway and you're distracted and you're not, you lose focus. You could end up missing your exit or taking a wrong turn. I need to trust the path that God has set for me. 
I need to walk the path, trust the path that God has set for me. I need to stay focused on following the Lord because He will not let evil win. He will not let sin lead me in the wrong way. So I need to walk that path. God has promised that sin cannot defeat us if we remain in Him. God has promised us that evil will not defeat His people, His kingdom. Psalm 37, verse 10 through 15 says, A little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they'll not be found. But the the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them, but the Lord laughs at the wicked, for He knows their day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and needy, to to slay those whose ways are upright. But their swords will pierce their own hearts and their bows will be broken. Verse 20 says, But the wicked will perish, though the Lord's enemies are like flowers of the field, they will be consumed, they'll go up in smoke. Verse 22 says, Those the Lord blesses will inherit the land, but those he curses will be destroyed. And once again, if we go back to that song, the song that they sang as they went to Jerusalem, Psalm 125, verse 4 and 5, it ends with a prayer asking for God's justice. Psalm 125, verse 4 to 5, Lord, be good to those who are good, whose hearts are honest. But Lord, when you remove those who do evil, also remove those who stop following you. Have you ever... uh, have you ever had the end of a movie ruined? You know, there's some new movie that's out, and it's got this surprise twist at the end, and before you get to the movies to see it, or before you rent it, or whatever, somebody tells you the end of the movie. That is just not cool. I hate that when it happens. Uh, or what about a, a ball game? We, we used to have our elders' meetings on Sunday nights, and quite often... You know, Eric would come into the elders' meeting on Sunday night, and he'd go, don't tell me about the game, don't tell me about the game, I've got it recorded, you know, because it didn't want to get spoiled. Don't say anything about the game before it's over, don't say anything about the movie before people know. We don't, we don't, like, to, we don't like to know the ending of a good movie until it happens, and we don't, know, we don't like to know the outcome of a game until the clock runs out. But here's the thing, I am so glad... I am so thankful that as Christians, we know the end of our story. I mean, aren't we glad for that? Isn't it good to know the end of our story? Because the Word of God tells us that in Christ, in Christ, we have a promise beyond this life. That's the end of the story. We have a promise beyond this life. The promise of a new heaven and a new earth. A place that is without sin, without the influence and the corruption of anything evil. A place that is overflowing with the presence and the goodness of God. Romans 6 verse 3 to 5 and verse 23 says, Don't you know? that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. 
For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Bible tells us that when we are baptized into Christ, we are united with him. The Bible tells us that when we are baptized into Christ, we are united with him. The safest place to be is united with Christ. The safest place to be is in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are, say it with me, for those who are in Christ Jesus. God is a God of justice. God is a God of justice. Righteousness will be blessed and sin will be punished. The righteous will be blessed because the punishment for their sin has already been paid. It's been paid by Christ. Those that are without Christ, those that are not in Christ... They are still guilty, and they still have to take the punishment for their own sin. Sin is not allowed into heaven. In his book, Journey to Joy, Josh Moody gives us another picture of trust. Now, you've seen the trapeze, the trapeze artist at like a circus or maybe on TV and, and you know there's that one moment, that moment in between the flyer letting go and the catcher catching. There's that moment in between. As the flyer lets go, she has to hold herself absolutely still and wait, trusting that the catcher will catch her. She doesn't try to reach out and grab and catch the catcher. She doesn't try to catch the catcher She lets go and she just waits to be caught. What what enables that very real trust to take place? What gives them that level of trust? It's practice. It's practice. They, They trust because of all the practice that they have done. When life hits us with the unexpected, when we face our concerns and our fears, When we feel lost and when we feel hopeless, we are in that gap, that moment between letting go and getting caught. We're in that gap, that moment. What gives us trust in that moment? It's the confidence of God's protection. It's the confidence of God's promise. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes from hearing, and we hear from the Word of God. That, that moment in the gap, that moment where you're in that, in that gap between letting go and being caught, it can either be a moment of fear and panic, or it could be a thrilling and exhilarating moment. It all depends on where we've centered our minds. It all depends on where we've centered our minds. Are we focused on the insecurities of this world or on the promises of God's word? 
Do you remember what Jesus said about that? Do you remember what Jesus said about hearing the word and putting it into practice? In Matthew chapter 7, in verse 24 through 27, Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. There is a great strength safety, and security in the words of God when we hear them, when we put them into practice. And the word of God tells us that the safest place we can be is in Christ. In a world that's insecure, uncertain, unstable, we still sometimes wonder where we can find hope and the assurance of something strong and trustworthy. We need the good news of Psalm 125. We need to know that God is there surrounding us with his presence and with his protection. God, we can sing a song of confidence, not because we look up and see a fortified city or mountains around us, but we can look up and see the cross. And we know that you gave your son who gave his life for us. And by grace, through faith, we are saved. God, I pray that each and every one of us here may find ourselves in Christ. May we have that security. May we have that assurance, knowing that our sins have been paid for and we don't owe the punishment because of that. God, thank you for that incredible gift of grace. Thank you for the strength of what Jesus did for us and the trust we can have in that. We pray this now through Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please take a moment to rate this podcast. May the Word of God be living and active in your life.